the baseball lifer is on the air. Tune of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. We welcome you to the Baseball Lifer Podcast. This is Don Wardlow. And for the first time ever, a doubleheader on the Baseball Lifer Podcast. First of all, we're going to have author Joseph M. Leonard, Detroit native and Tiger fan. And he's got a book called Terror Strikes, coming soon to a city near you. For this book... He's arranged a contest where you can have a chance to win his book if you go to the following website, tinyurl.com, that's the word tiny, url.com, slash Goodreads Giveaway 2023. The words Goodreads Giveaway 2023 are all together. No dots, slashes, spaces, nothing of the kind. To win a copy of the book Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City Near You by our guest Joseph M. Leonard. The address is tinyurl.com slash Goodreads Giveaway 2023. In a minute, we'll be back with Joseph M. Leonard and after him, former Tigers pitcher Mickey Lolich in an interview I recorded in 1993 when I was broadcasting in New Britain. So it's Joseph M. Leonard first, and then Mickey Lolich on a doubleheader edition of the Baseball Lifer podcast. Back in a minute. Back with you on the Baseball Lifer podcast, Don Wardlow here. My guest is author Joseph M. Leonard, and the book is called Terror Strikes, Coming Soon to a City Near You. And Mr. Leonard, first of all, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Don. I really appreciate it. I'm looking to having a lot of fun today as opposed to the normal day where I'm on, you know, yet another, this is a book show. Tell us about your book kind of day. <laughs> well, I, uh, in I, fact, I wasn't going to lead with the book because yeah. this is the baseball lifer. Now, yeah. I understand there is a portion of the book that has to do with baseball. We'll get to that. Um, what was your experience with baseball as a kid, as a fan? Who did you root for? What excited you about baseball when you were younger? Yeah, well, I, I was a hockey guy growing up. But that's not to say I still wasn't a baseball, football, all those other fans. And yeah, I certainly have a lot of fond memories of going up to Tiger Stadium to see the Tigers play. And uh, of course, they suck right now. But you know, <laughs> yeah. So goes so goes life, right? It's uh, it's yeah. <laughs> it's cyclical in in baseball. Yeah. You know, they'll maybe be be good in a few more years. They've got that Spencer Torkelson for one. And they've got other prospects coming. Now, yeah. and they you... got rid of Al Avilia, so hopefully a new GM can work some magic and get some 
players in, potentially a, a couple free agents here and there, and we could turn the corner. Uh, we expected to be a lot further along in the rebuild than we are right now. We, Like you said, we, I mean, we've got some promising prospects. So we, we've got a good base. It's Can we, you know, build enough around that? And, uh, you know, I did play softball, you know, but I, mean, I ain't baseball, but I did play softball. In fact, my name is on the company trophy five times for, uh, we used to, uh, Diversity Windout, which was the chemical subsidiary of Molson, you know, the brewer. Okay. Uh, and we'd have a company tournament every year. So I could say my name lives on in posterity at the company, even though I'm not there anymore with my name on the, it's called lob ball there, played softball during the year. And then we'd have a lob ball tournament, which was changed up the rules a bit, you know, just to be extra, extra safe. There was a dual base at first, an orange side and a white side. You know, the player would run to and pass under the orange portion, safety portion of the base to try to avoid collisions and no sliding. So there'd be no injuries at second and, you know, things like that. And uh, so that it, we could encourage anyone and everyone within each of the different compounds to be able to say, Hey, yeah, I can play. I want to play, you know, <laughs> absolutely. And, and, you know, fun. Like when it's I, supposed to be fun. When, when I went to Canada, whether it was London, whether it was Thunder Bay, or whether it was Winnipeg, I'd order me a Molson Canadian because I knew <laughs> it was different from the Molson that they export to the U.S. of A. Yeah, the, the diversity, uh, well, Wyandotte Chemical was bought up by diversity, which was Molson's com subsidiary. So we became one. Uh, diversity headquarters is in Mississauga just outside Toronto. Talking about the Detroit Tigers, which was a game team that you supported. Now, did you go to the old stadium, Tiger Stadium? Oh, yeah. 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 Been to Tiger Stadium many times. Uh, so sad to see it torn down. Uh, the field is still there. Uh, a, the Police Athletic League uh, operate the field now. So, the field actually gets used, but the stadium is gone. They're building condos around it that kind of overlook the field. So, you know, people who love baseball and want to have not just live in Detroit, but have that connection to baseball can own their property overlooking the old Tiger field there. So, I mean, that's pretty cool for those who can afford it, right? <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, there's something I say about Tiger Stadium. There's something special from a blind person's perspective. I know sighted people used to yap about the, the iron posts that would get in the way, but... <sighs> There was something about the acoustics, something about the way the sound traveled when you would listen to a Yankees game when they'd be in Detroit. And the sound, the crack of the bat and the pop of the catcher's mitt, whether it was where the broadcast booths were located or just what, the sound was terrific. It was better than your average ballpark and Tiger Stadium, along with Fenway and Wrigley, had those particularly good acoustics. Yeah, the uh, parks with some character. Now, when they built 
what's called Comerica Park now. Comerica, the banking outlet, has the uh, uh, the the right naming rights to the new uh, field. Uh, I I feel they tried to capture and encapsulate the old school feel as best as possible, and I I think they did a good job. I mean, center field is for the most part open air, you know, you're not in a, a donut <laughs> completely enclosed. There's airflow. There's, you know, you've got that feel still for the game. On the Baseball Lifer podcast, Don Wardlow here with author Joseph M. Leonard. The book is Terror Strikes, coming soon to a city near you. Now, talk to me about the idea that got you writing on this book and talk to me about the book itself. All right. Yeah. And I will mostly keep it baseball related since there is a baseball thread through this, through the book and right there in the name, terror strikes, terror strikes as in an assault, a strike strike as in, of course, balls and strikes in baseball. In fact, a Don Wardlaw Baseball Lifer exclusive will be, never talked about this anywhere else before, one of the original cover conceptualizations, and you can kind of see this played on my uh, terrorstrikes.info site, um, you know, there's a bit of a uh, the baseball tie-in picture there, uh, one of the original cover designs was meant to be like in quadrants four different quadrants and one of the quadrants would indeed be showing a picture from behind throwing a ball towards a plate presumably going to be a strike right so but uh, we decided to go with uh, the cover for those who can see it here that we have now uh and again the word strike being a double entendre there to hint at that baseball thread in it and as to the impetus of my writings, the, I have two international published books, but I've been writing my whole life. I have many copyrights. I've got many things that were published on the local level, but Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City Near You and How to Write a Book and Get It Published to hopefully help others, maybe somebody in your audience that's got a baseball book in them to write it and bring it to market come to me in dreams normally. And Terror Strikes was no different. It came to me in a dream and I decided, okay, I need to write this book. And it just so happened that now was kind of the time that this book also dealing with terrorism, since some people seem to think it went away due to all the Wuhan virus hysteria taking all the news. It hasn't gone away, it's still there. Uh, we don't know the uh, uh, the grounding of all U.S. air traffic for the first time since 9-11. They're claiming human error. Was it really or was it a terror cyber attack? What The uh, LAX was shut down a few weeks ago due to a terror strike on the power grid that fed LAX. So terrorism is happening, people. Uh, just I'm not saying be paranoid. I'm saying my book is a book about life, not death, hope over fear, and good over evil, 
live your life. Just don't be stupid with a reckless abandon, clueless to all around you. That's kind of the point of the book. The one thing I can say, again, bringing it back to baseball is, you know, people would ask, why, why did you think to put a baseball thread? Well, think about 9-11. And a lot of people, when they think terrorism, they only think 9-11. And this isn't only about 9-11. It's a world problem. There's a chapter on Toronto, chapter on London, England, Madrid, Spain, and Tokyo, Japan. This is an international thing. It's not just about the U.S., even though my book is U.S.-based. And uh, think about 9-11. What was the one thing that kind of signaled to America, we will not knuckle under, you did not win, we are not going to live in fear? That was George W. Bush throwing out the first pitch at the Yankee game to return the country to a bit of normal. Absolutely. And this is a country that dealt with World War I and kept baseball going, dealt with World War II and kept baseball going, even though the players, many were drafted, many enlisted, but the game lived on, dealt with Vietnam, dealt with 9-11. Yes, they had to stop it for a while, but baseball came back after 9-11, as, and it has come back from the COVID virus pandemic of 2020 and ongoing because there's still a factor of covid but we didn't allow the the sport didn't allow itself to be undone by any of the factors that i've laid down for you yeah unlike the xfl reboot that got killed literally a casualty of covid due to the lockdowns uh that that killed that sport. They had to go bankrupt. It's back again now under Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Uh, they're bringing the XFL for a third incarnation. But yeah, baseball has that important place like no other sport here in America. Uh, you know, the, remember, and I, I don't understand for the life of me why GM doesn't bring this back. Remember the old Chevy. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. You bet. Why the heck don't they bring that advertisement back? Nostalgia, tradition. We're part of the fabric of America that that, you know, add all tied together. I mean, I'm here in Detroit, (laughs) so I'm in what's left of the automotive capital of the world, Mary Bargia or whatever the hell your name is, the CEO of GM right now. Uh, I mean, wake up. <laughs> that's that's an obvious. That should be a given to bring back to the ballpark and make MLB broadcast during games. And that's something that MLB should work with GM, but you don't see a whole lot of effort being made by MLB to market. And that's a a complaint I've had for a number of years. If they want to make huge stars out of Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Shihei Otani, they're not making as much of an effort as they should to make these guys so 
well known to children, especially that children are going to keep loving baseball. The same holds true. I, I was on with my friend Derek Stone, who, who does the Stone Cold Sports Truth on Wham Radio Sundays at noon 30 every weekend. Uh, and he was talking about Michael Jordan. And of course, that then uh, famous, uh, was it? It was, yeah, it was Jordan and Larry Bird, that McDonald's ad, you know, the through the hoop. Nothing but net, you know, promoting a product, McDonald's, as well as promoting baseball with uh, basketball <laughs> with some of their stars. I said there is no reason they couldn't do that for like the USFL, which I'm uh, more looking forward to than I was the Super Bowl, <laughs> uh, with a couple of the up and comer in that league to one promote. Uh, uh, McDonald's again, promote th the new sport, you know, and promote some people. Tie that all together again in a sense of nostalgia of bringing things together. And they could do the same thing with baseball, you know, hitting a single, hitting a double, hitting a triple, going for the cycle. You know, uh, uh, what, what are you going to hit first? Your single, your, you know, something along the lines of that thought of that commercial of one-upmanship to promote the sport. Like you said, MLB should be reaching out to McDonald's and say, we want to partner with a revisitation of that ad with you. Good for you. Good for us. Talking on the baseball. Oh, sorry, um, Joseph. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I paused. That was my fault. Yeah. But again, it, it, to your point, them not being imaginative enough to, to go that extra step. On the Baseball Lifer podcast with Joseph M. Leonard. The book is Terror Strikes, coming soon to a city near okay. you. And tell me about your other book about writing from, from the title to when it came out and to the writing of it and what you're hoping to do with it. Yeah. How to write a book and get it published. Hints, tips, and techniques uh, came about from interviews like this. Uh, I'd be on a book podcast and talking about terror strikes coming soon to a city near you, which came out April 15th of 2022 for various reasons. I won't go into the various uh things that all come together on April 15th that would then relate to that book. But yeah, I'd be on discussing that book and they'd say, will you come back and just talk about your writing and the publishing pro process? So I'd say, sure. And after doing that a dozen times, the light bulb went off. Well, obviously there's a market for putting this into a book. <laughs> and I looked. And indeed, there are countless books of how to put your book on Amazon. Well, that's not what people were asking for. So how to write a book and get it published, hints, tips, and techniques. Perhaps someone in baseball life or audience has thought about writing a book. This book can help you from concept to writing 
to getting it published, and then after published marketing, what to expect in reviews and things of that sort. We've been talking with author Joseph M. Leonard. Now, the the second book, How to Write a Book and Get It Published, has that been published or is that a book in the works yeah no that that came out it was supposed to come out december 15th it came out on the 29th of december so it hasn't been out long <laughs> one last thing i almost forgot because it's my understanding since we're recording today this show will air before the end of february your audience can enter to win a copy of terror strikes coming soon to a city near you the contest ends February 28th. You could go to tinyurl.com, Goodreads Giveaway 2023, all together one word, tinyurl.com slash Goodreads Giveaway 2023. If this airs before February 28th, hopefully your audience uh, will sign up and are to win a copy. So we've been talking with author... Joseph M. Leonard. And Joseph, good luck with the two books and hope to talk to you soon. All right. Thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. Before we go to our interview with Mickey Lolich, which will finish up the doubleheader edition of the podcast, once again, I wanted to mention our guest Joseph M. Leonard's giveaway for his book, Terror Strikes, coming soon to a city near you. For a chance to win the book, you go to tinyurl.com slash Goodreads Giveaway 2023. Once again, tinyurl.com slash Goodreads Giveaway 2023. Ready to go now to our second half of our doubleheader. Following author Joseph M. Leonard's appearance. We're going to have Mickey Lolich. This is an interview I did with him in 1993. Lolich, Tiger's Great from the 60s and 70s, was up in London with the London Tigers when the New Britain Red Sox, the team I worked for, went in there for a series against London. Mickey Lolich did the color commentary for local TV. And he took some time and gave us a few minutes for the interview, which you're about to hear, if you keep it where you got it. On the Bob Stewart's pregame show tonight, something special. Ex-major leaguer Mickey Lolich, a name that filled the hearts of baseball fans all over the American League with dread when you knew he was going to pitch for the Detroit Tigers against your side. Starting in 1963, he'll talk to you about his career. His name is Mickey Lolich. Let's hear what this 217-game winning pitcher has got to say. Talk to me about your growing up and how you got into baseball leading up to your big league career. Well, actually, I got into baseball by accident. Uh, when I was a young boy, I grew up out in Portland, Oregon, over in the great northwest, and they really didn't have any uh, amateur baseball for boys like six, seven, eight years old. The first time you could play ball was like 10 years old. That was Little League. And my father took care of a, a local park. He worked for the city of Portland, worked for the Park Bureau. 
And one day I was up at the park uh, goofing around like a typical kid, riding my bicycle, doing the things that little boys do. And some older boys, they were like uh, 12, 13, 14-year-olds, local park team was supposed to play a ball game, but they were short one player. And they were going to have to forfeit the game because they didn't have nine players. And my dad volunteered me to play right field. That's where he always put the little kid out in right field. And so I was stuck out in right field, didn't know too much about the rules of the game, but uh, played a pretty good right field. And we were getting bombed around pretty good, the ball club. And I guess I made a comment on the bench that I could pitch as good as the guy that was pitching out there. And the manager heard it. And being we were getting beat so bad, he didn't want to waste any more of his pitchers. So he sent me out there to pitch. And as a 10-year-old, I could throw the ball right by the big 13-year-old kids. And at that point, I decided I wanted to be a baseball player. And how did it carry on from there, from high school and on, until you broke in with the Detroit Tigers? Well, actually, I had a very successful amateur career uh, growing up out in the Northwest. I, I played for two Babe Ruth League teams, uh, ages uh, 14 and 15, and went to two Babe Ruth World Championships. I played on an American Legion team that went to the American Legion World Series. So I played for some very, very good teams out there and enjoyed playing baseball very much. Uh, at the age of 17 years old, I graduated from high school, and two days out of high school, I signed a professional contract with the Detroit Tigers. But I did not go and play that year. The Tigers let me stay back in Portland and wait to report to spring training. And in 1959, it was my first professional year in baseball at age 18. I was not a very successful minor league pitcher. I was the type of guy that uh, I threw a fastball in the upper 90s. I could throw the ball through a brick wall. The only problem is I couldn't hit the brick wall. I didn't have very good control. And I struggled quite a bit at the, in the minor leagues. I spent the majority of my career in the minors in the old Carolina League. I played there in 59, 60, and 61. In 1962, the Detroit Tigers loaned me out to the Kansas City Athletics, which was the Portland team, which was my hometown. And out there, I ran into a pitching coach that taught me how to pitch, how to control myself and have control. And I pitched that year for the Portland team, still not being very successful because it was sort of a lousy ball club. I mean, my record might have been 11 wins and 12 losses. But I learned how to pitch, I developed control, and in 1963 I came to the big leagues with the Tigers. Speaking with Mickey Lolich, now broadcasting on London Canadian Television, tell me about some of your more proud Major League moments. You had a very lengthy career. Talk to me about some of its highlights. Well, I spent 16 years in the big leagues uh, altogether. Uh, I spent uh, 13 years with Detroit, one with the New York Mets, and two years with San Diego. And the basic highlight of my career, <clears throat> the highlight of my career, I guess, would have been the 1968 World Series when I was pitching for Detroit against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the Tigers won that World Series, and I won three out of the four games, which is... Uh, Still, a, you know, it hasn't happened in 25 years, and I pitched three complete games and ended up being the most valuable player of the World Series. But personally, my personal high in my life was the 1971 season while pitching for the Detroit Tigers. I uh, made uh, 46 starts that year. I completed 29 games. I pitched 376 innings and led the, the major leagues in strikeouts, innings pitched, games started, and complete games. 
and that really was my my highlight of my career. Now you're with the London TV covering tonight's contest. What are some of the other things you've done since the baseball career came to an end? Well, about two weeks before I retired in 1979, I had known a fella who was trying to talk me into getting into the donut business. And two weeks prior to the, my career ending in 1979, uh, I joined up with this fella and we bought a donut shop uh, in Rochester, Michigan, which is a, a town outside of Detroit. And for the 14 years that I've been retired from baseball, I am now a little happy donut maker. Do you have far to come to do these telecasts? Well, not really. It, uh, from my donut shop to drive over here is about a two-hour and 20-minute drive, but I usually stay overnight and then drive back the next day. And how many of the TV shows do you do every year? Well, it actually varies. The first year we did about 14, then we dropped to 10, then we went up to 12 and down to 8, and I think uh, this is our fifth year of broadcast, and this year we're doing 8. Last question for Mickey Lolich. Can you tell me about some of the things you do for fun nowadays? Well, primarily, I uh, I used to be an avid motorcycle rider, and I got away from that a little bit. And now I'm riding the the four wheelers, uh, the four wheel motorcycles, referred to as ATVs or quads. And I enjoy getting up into the woods of Michigan at least one weekend a month and playing around out there trying to dodge the trees. We've been speaking with Mickey Lolich, ex big league pitcher, now commentator on the London TV station, broadcasting tonight's game, sir. I'm honored to have you here on this program. Well, it's been a pleasure to be on the show. Anything for baseball. Mickey Lolich has been our special guest on the Bob Stores pregame show. In the year he talked about, 1971, the one he was proud of, a 25 win and 14 loss record for Mr. Lolich. And then the year after that, 22 up and 14 down in 1972, leading the Detroit Tigers to the pennant in which they ended up losing to the Oakland A's in the playoff series of that year. Back to wrap up the Baseball Lifer podcast following our first-of-a-kind doubleheader broadcast. Our first guest was author Joe Leonard, Joseph M. Leonard to be precise, and he does spell it L-E-N-A-R-D, the only Leonard I ever saw with the name spelled that way. His book, Terror Strikes, coming soon to a city near you. And for the chance to win that book, go to tinyurl.com slash Goodreads Giveaway 2023. And the second half of our doubleheader was our interview from 1993, which Mickey Lodlich was kind enough to grant us at that time. So until next week, this is Don Wardlow on the Baseball Lifer Podcast. Take care.